Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Not sure if we'll get too much into this phrase, but I want to say it out loud. We'll get into it a little bit today and on Wednesday. Take and hold the high ground. Take and hold the high ground. Of course, it's military term. The high ground is the place of advantage in the fight. And if you want to have the advantage in the fight, you must take and hold the high ground. This is our year of winning and victory, a year of unprecedented victory. But if we want to have unprecedented victory, we must take and hold the high ground. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. If you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can do so on the YouVersion Bible app or on the Faith Plus app. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, one of our text scriptures for the series. This is part four. And if you missed any of this series, you can go to the Faith Plus app or YouTube and catch up. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things we pointed out from the scripture is victory is a gift. And how do we receive gifts from God? By faith. Right? Whatever we're saved by, we live by. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by grace, the gift of God, through the doorway or the channel of faith. And victory comes the same way. Victory is received in our lives by or through faith. So now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, another foundational scripture for this text. Won't do too much review today, but I encourage you to go back and watch it on the Faith Plus app or on YouTube. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. This first phrase he says fight twice. The emphasis is on fight. He could have just say fight in faith. We got the point. But if he has to say fight, the good fight of faith, say that same word twice in such a small phrase, the emphasis of this first part of the scripture is fight. Although victory is a gift, you still have to show up to the fight. If you expect to win in life, you still have to fight the good fight of faith. You still have to engage the enemy. You still have to show up on the battlefields of life. It doesn't like, well, I'll just stay home and, you know, well, God's going to fight my battles. Yes, he will, but he still expects you to be on the battlefield. See, sometimes we like to take scriptures, take scriptures out and let us be lazy in faith. Well, you know, the Bible does say the battle is the Lord's. And it says, you know, stand still and let the Lord fight your battle. But did you notice they were on the battlefield when that happened? So don't just expect, well, I'm going to do nothing. Let God do everything. No, you have a part to this. You have a responsibility to grace. You're still going to have to show up on the battlefields of life. But your confidence is not in your fighting ability. Your faith is in God. And so as we said, this word fight, both of them are the same Greek word. And it's defined as to enter a contest, to contend in the gymnastic game. So I'm about Rome and Greece times. 
To contend with adversaries, to fight, metaphorically means to contend, to struggle with difficulties and dangers. It means to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to strive to obtain something. The, one of the things I love this commentary from Rick Renner, talking about the second use of this word so closely, he says the second use of the word fight is also from the same Greek word. It conveys the idea of one who has given his complete concentration to the conflict and is totally focused on engaging the conflict at hand and achieving victory, regardless how long it takes or how much agonizing effort is required. It is the picture of total commitment to victory. It is the picture of total commitment to victory. How bad do you want to win? How bad do you want to have victory? You know, John Olson used to say, how strong is your want to? If you want to have victory in every area of your life, unprecedented victory, you need to be totally committed to victory. Not just thinking on victory on Sunday when we said victory. But every single day, I'm going to win today. I'm going to experience victory today. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory. I'm focused on engaging the drama at hand and not getting distracted by everything else that's going on in the world. No matter what happens, no matter what I see on the news, no matter what report I get, I choose to win. I choose to have the victory. Because God gave it to me, I might as well enjoy the gift. It's like you're hungry and someone brought you lunch, just bless you with lunch, your favorite food. And it's right there in front of you, yet you're still hungry. It's right there. Why don't you just enjoy your food? Well, I just know if the food's on my desk. It is right in front of you. Well, it could be nothing in that bag. Why don't you open it up? Oh, I don't know if I'm worthy for the Will you just eat the food? You know, I'm, I just wonder if God has the same look at us. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm worthy for victory. Will you just win? Why will you just experience victory? Everything God has given you in his covenant is about you winning in this life. You weren't born again to lose. You were born again to win. God did not plan any losers. He did not plan any failures. When he planned your life, he planned a story of winning. He planned a story of victory. God didn't say, well, they'll get close, but in the last minute, they're going to lose. You know, they're going to put up a good fight, but they're going to get knocked out, and that's how they're going in. No, what he planned for you is a plan of victory. What he has for you is a plan of victory. And so some people say, well, I know so-and-so, and it doesn't look like they went. Are you sure? Are you sure they went? Well, they went home early. They went where? Victory. We have to stop letting the enemy tell us what's happening. We have to say, you know what? We're going to tell you what's happening. I choose to win. I choose victory. I still choose restoration. One of the things the Lord told us in November, December, restoration was going to continue this year at an accelerated rate. So I'm still believing for restoration. I'm still believing for unprecedented victory. And that's what I'm going to see. And if you connect it to me, and you is, that's what you're going to see. 
every single one of us, if they look at Faith Christian Center, those are some of the most winningest people I've ever seen. Anybody want to agree with what I'm speaking of your lives? It's going to be total commitment. It's going to be our focus. That God says it's going to be a year of winning and victory. So how much winning and victory experience is up to your focus and up to what you set your faith for? So one of the things we talked about, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith and experience winning and victory this year, you're going to need to need technique, say technique, and strength. Technique and strength. You know, there was a fight that happened last night. I didn't watch it. I was asleep. But, you know, I watched some of the clips. There's no way I want to fight either of those dudes. No. Well, Pastor, you have faith. I also have wisdom. <laughs> There's no reason I need to fight either of those brothers. But how many know they both had strength? They both had technique. That if you're going to win, you need strength and technique. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Still in part of review. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This phrase, as we said, be strong means to be infused with strength. This Greek word was the same Greek word used in secular and mythical literature, talking about Hercules and other individuals who were empowered by the gods to do supernatural feats. And so when they were talking about Hercules being empowered by a certain Greek god or goddess, it's the same phrase Paul decided to use to talk about the truth. One of the things you understand about the people at Ephesus, when he talked about the revival who first brought them into the kingdom, this Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. It was a very superstitious people. So he's using a phrase that they'll get. He's using a phrase that they understand. Just like you learned about Hercules being empowered by God, here's how you in your normal life can be empowered by the real God. Now, how many know, even using Hercules still as the example, he had strength to do more than what you actually need to do in your everyday life? You're like, well, I don't have to do those challenges and the trials of Hercules. I don't have to go through that. You say, well, that's more than enough strength for me. Which paints the same picture. The strength God gives you is more than enough just for you. That means the strength he's given you is not just for you, but to make a change in the society around you. You are infused with this miraculous strength and power from the Almighty of God. Be strong, Lord, in the power. That word power means force, strength, might, and dominion of his might, which means ability. So you're not relying only on your ability. You have access to the very ability of God. So that means if we expect to win, we don't just win in our own strength. We have to tap into his strength. So when you feel tired, it's like, oh, I'm not strong enough. Good, get the real strength. You finally realize you can't do this by yourself. Anybody ever get to that point yet? If not, you will. You can't accomplish the plan of God for your life with your own strength. Your strength is important, but you need to tap into his strength. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Strength 
and technique. Well, before we go there, a little bit further than Ephesians 6. Strength and technique. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand, stand, therefore. So there's like two words that pop up again and again and again. Stand and against. Against, as we talked about before, is face-to-face combat. It implies withstanding or resisting something. And then outright, he says, stand, stand, stand. Strength and technique. Part of the technique is how you stand. Go back, now go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Now, not just stand like, oh, I'm holding on, Jesus, holding on. No. Stand victoriously because you did everything you're supposed to do. Your stance is important. See, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. That word also means firm. In the New Testament, metaphorically, of those who are fixed in purpose. Fixed in purpose. Sounds like total commitment to me. Unmovable. Immovable also means firmly persistent. Always abounding, always increasing, always overflowing in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor, your work, is not in vain. Now, I can't sing like the Clark sister, so I'm not going to sing is you're living in vain, but y'all get the point. What y'all do for God is not in vain. This word vain means results in nothing. So what you do for God produces results. Without effect, which means what you do for God has an effect. It also means of no purpose and fruitlessness. So what you do for God has purpose and it's fruitful. One of the things we looked at last week, you living right and making decisions to walk in love are weapons that impact the kingdom of darkness. So although sometimes like, is it worth it? Is anything I'm doing have an effect on anybody? Yes, it is. So be steadfast, firm, immovable, knowing that your work for God is not worthless. It produces the intended effect. So to me, that sounds like a stance. And so can he show us a boxing stance? Now there's no way I'm fighting him either. Now, he's in his stance, right? Now, here's something I Google quickly about a boxing stance. And it says, the importance of a good stance cannot be stressed enough. A good stance provides balance and is a key to both attacking and defensive techniques. Boxers should be able to throw a punch without losing their balance. Read it one more time. The importance of a good stance cannot be stressed enough. A good stance provides balance and is a key to both attacking and defensive techniques. Boxers should be able to throw a punch without losing their balance. Thank you. So the thing is, 
in this life, how's your stance? Because some of you is like, well, I'm going to attack. But you don't have a good balance. So you throw a punch and you're on the ground. Satan didn't even hit you. You just didn't have a good stance. Or he threw a blow and you try to block, but you knocked on your back. Because of your stance. That if you want to have good technique, you have to have a good stance. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. We'll talk about your stance today. If you want to have good technique so that you can experience winning and victory and fight the good fight of faith, you need to have a good stance. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. How's your stance? Now, this is a prayer I encourage you to pray for yourselves every day. This is what I pray for you often. One of the four to five prayers that I pray very frequently for you. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? Love. So, you know, we talked about love last week. I encourage you to listen to that message. We went through Amplified Classic Edition of chapter 13, 4 through 8. And that's what it's talking about. But rooted and grounded. You know, when I was praying this over you all this week, and I was thinking about the phrase rooted, you know, the importance of roots to a tree is it absorbs the nutrients and the water that the tree needs to exist and to survive and to thrive. And so I was praying, I said, yeah, Lord, we tap into the love flowing through our roots. Because it's not human love that we tapped into. Human love is fickle. It's emotional. Stirred up by Hollywood and Hallmark. I'm, I know y'all like those Hallmark movies. My wife loves them too. Me trying to be a good husband, I said, I'll watch one or two with you this season. After that, I'm out the room. <laughs> but the thing is, how many know that emotional love that movie could stir up doesn't last that long? And then please don't base your life on what Hollywood and Hallmark does, because you know it's fake. You know they have a team of writers. <laughs> a team of writers to produce it. And it's good. People like it. That's why they have the team of writers. But don't compare yourself and your life to Hollywood. See, I was not even doing relationship stuff. I'm just going to meddle just a tad bit. Ladies, don't compare your husband to that movie. You say, well, he doesn't write all those poems for me, but he works hard and brings a check every week. And just to be fair, fellas, just because she doesn't adi, 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 you get the point. But she takes care of you and feeds you. Don't pay attention. Just because it's on TikTok doesn't mean it's real. Just because it's a part of their body doesn't mean it's real either. Stop comparing your, what you have to somebody else. The grass is not always greener. Sometimes it's a spray painted. <laughs> or AstroTurf. Be thankful for who's in your life. And don't compare them or yourselves to somebody else. Because we have a habit of comparing ourselves and our worst days to someone's highlight reels. 
say, oh, that posted on Instagram, great. Do you know how much stuff you can do to an Instagram photo? Stop comparing yourself to what's fake or what's temporary. The only thing you compare yourself with is the word of God and what the Holy Ghost has spoken over your life. Because if you compare yourself to everyone else, you will be depressed. I can't idea, idea like them. You don't need an idea, idea like them. Someone's like, what is he talking about? Don't worry about it. Do not Google it. Just keep looking forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. My notes, notes, notes. Ephesians 3.17, that's right. <laughs> Rooted and grounded in love. This word grounded means to lay a foundation for, to be settled, to make stable. So one of the foundations of our lives is the love of God, as defined in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. So that means in everything we do, we keep one hand on the love of God. One hand on the love of God, knowing that our stance and our stability is rooted in the love of God. Which means if you try to do anything for God and you're not rooted in the love of God, grounded in the love of God, you'll be off balance. And you'll be subject to fall. Everything we do has to be rooted in the love of God. Say, so everything I do has to be rooted in the love of God. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You know, as we taught in a series last year, Colossians and Ephesians are twin epistles. Paul wrote them about the same time and sent them to be delivered by the same messenger. Going to churches that weren't too far from each other. So one of the things you'll see if you read Ephesians and Colossians together, you'll see a amplified understanding of what the Holy Ghost was saying through Paul at that time. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk or live ye in him, rooted and built up in who? Him. Established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Go to Luke chapter 6 and we'll come back here in a moment. Luke 6, built up and established in him. Luke 6, starting with verse 47. Rooted and built up and established in him. We know on the love of God, but let's get a little bit more clarity of this part. Jesus said, whosoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a what? And when the flood arose, a stream or the storm beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a what? But he that hears and does not is like the man without a foundation built a house upon the earth against what the stream or storm did beat vehemently and immediately it fell on the ruin of that house was great. Notice the storm comes to everybody's life. So just because you think you're going through a storm that no one else has seen the storm you've seen, other people have. The storm comes to everybody's life. But notice, those who built 
their life or their house on the rock. The storm came, but it could not even shake it, agitate it, get it stirred up. Could not move it. Sounds like immovable and steadfast to me, right? Sounds like the stance we're supposed to have. So what we have to understand from this example Jesus gave is, what is the rock? How would you say Jesus is the rock? Sounds like this is a trick question. How many of you would say the word of God is the rock? How many says, I'm not lifting my hand no matter what, because I, I know there's a drop coming. Well, although Jesus is our rock and the word is the rock, that is not what Jesus defined here. Back to verse 47. Whosoever comes to me, so it's coming to Jesus, hears my saying, so that's hearing the what? The word, and does them. The rock is coming to Jesus, hearing the word of God, and doing the word. That is the rock. That is the foundation. That's how you're rooted and established in him. So it speaks to you about two things. Relationship and discipline to be in this book. Now go back to Colossians 2. Relationship and discipline to being in this book. Colossians 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. When it's talking about faith in here, it's not just talking about your personal faith or what you're believing for. The faith, it's talking about our entire belief system in Jesus. It's talking about what we've, been, we've learned from the word of God in its entirety. As you have been taught, abounded, overflowing therein with what you've been taught with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Which means it's very possible to at one point be founded on the word of God and the next moment not be. Because of the philosophies and the vain deceit of men. Through whatever is the philosophy of the current day. Whatever and however the spirit of this age is producing a new philosophy, it's easy to be on the word one moment and off the next. And that if you don't check in with your relationship with God and get in this book, your stance will be off. Because notice it's in the love and the word of God. Because if it's not both, you will fall. Because here's how you can fall. It's like, well, I just believe God loves everybody, but then you don't have a standard for what love actually is, and you believe anything and everything people say is love. Well, love is love. No, it ain't. Or people it's like, well, it's just the word, the word, but what about the love of God? Yeah, if you're going to hell, you're going to burn forever. They ain't listening to you. The Bible does say speak the truth in love. And so, yes, there can be truth about things that are going on that aren't right. But are you saying it under the unction of the love of God? Say, so, well, is the truth I need to say? It says who? Did God tell you to open your mouth? Did you check in with the Spirit of God who's the Spirit of love? He made to say, just shut up in the name of Jesus. Oh, them? No, you. Keep your mouth shut in the name of our Lord and Savior. Love and truth. Love and the word of God. That notice how Jesus dealt with people. His toughest words were for the religious crowd. The religious crowd 
and Herod. His toughest statements were to them. Pilate, he didn't say too much about. He came up in Jesus' ministry. Jesus said much about Pilate. Now he preached about living holy, but notice the way he preached it. He would say very clearly, go and sin no more. But he did it without saying, stone him. Cast him out. To the point that Jesus was so full of the truth and the love of God that sinners wanted to be around him. So if sinners don't want to be around you, you're not as much like Jesus as you think you are. You're more like a Pharisee. And so many of us have gotten unbalanced because of an election that we become politically possessed instead of spirit-filled. I thought my Bible said we should be filled with the Holy Ghost, not the politics of the left and the right. And all we can quote is the platform of a party and we say, well, why don't our words have any power? Because maybe you've been meditating too much on Trump and Biden instead of what thus saith the Holy Ghost. I made a decision long ago that I'm not going to let a political party determine what I preach and what I don't preach. There, there are a number of things I didn't agree with what President Trump did, but he did not direct my messages. There are a number of things I won't agree with President Biden would do, but he won't direct my messages either. Because when it's all said and done, I don't stand before them. When it's all said and done, I will stand before the throne of God. Did you tell my people what I told you to tell them? How can I stand before God and say, well, sir, don't you know who was president? I had to talk about what they said. Excuse you, excuse me, what? We've got our focus off the wrong place. Our job is to pray for those authority. Yes, they're supposed to vote. Yes, you hold the politicians' feet to what they said they're going to do. But after that, you need to know who is God and who's not. We're called to be spirit-filled, not politically possessed. It's a problem when we sound more like a political candidate than we sound like a Christian. Love and truth. We want our words to have power. But if all you meditated on is the news reports and what the politicians say, you will have no power. You can speak the truth, but the words fall to the ground. The world needs people who have power, not just a political opinion. And your opinion can be right and you have no power. You can stir up people to follow you and so have no power. Because how many know that you can have the right opinion about how you're supposed to live and enact it as law, but that law cannot transform somebody's life? If the law under Moses wasn't meant to transform people's life, how much more do you think an American law can change someone's life? What changes life? The word of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the Holy Ghost, the love of God, us believing, preaching, telling that and praying that. That's how lives are changed. Because a king or a president can make a bad decision and judgment can't enter a nation. But do you know what also causes judgment to enter a nation? How people live. And so what should a church do? Stand up and say there is a different way. There is a better way. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who saves. There is a God who heals. There is a God who delivers. There is a God who preserves. There is a God who restores. There is a God who provides. And he'll do it for you. We need to make sure our focus is in the right place. 
that we testify of what Jesus has done, not what the politician did. We need to make sure our focus is in the right place. Yes, engage in the political world. Yes, vote. Yes, make a difference. God called you to run, run. Do what God's called you to do. We have a city judge in this church. Thank God for her. Yes, it's important. But make sure your focus is in the right place. If you want to have power. If you want to win and experience victory. Go to Galatians chapter 1. It's very possible to be rooted in the word and be unrooted the next. See, that happened to some of the people in the church of Galatia. Galatia was also located in modern-day Turkey. Notice what Paul wrote them. He said, right after his introduction, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there will be that some tr that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul makes a very stinging statement right here. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you let, that you have received, let him be accursed. So you have to be, anything you hear, you have to compare it with the word of God. What does it thus say of the word? Just because your favorite politician said it doesn't mean it's Bible. And don't let the politicians teach you the word. Well, you know, the Bible, look, this is America. Everybody's going to quote the Bible. America's a very religious nation. The people who aren't even part of religion are religious. Americans are religious. They are. And people understand that if you want votes, you should open the Bible. Now, there are some politicians who will call it the book of Job. Other people will say 2 Corinthians. But you need to know the word enough to compare. So what is what they said true? That you should be like the people of the book of Acts who were Bereans who heard the message that Paul preached and went back to the word to study out to see if these things are true. That if one of the things we've told you here again and again, you don't take the word of a preacher unless they can prove it to you from the word of God. How much more are you not supposed to take the word from a politician or a newscaster if they can't prove it to you from the word of God? You've got newscasters saying, well, you know, we don't really believe Jesus was sinless. I didn't ask you. So if they say that very foundational statement, why would you believe anything else they have to say about the word of God? If you want to be stable in this life, you've got to go to the book for yourself. And in this day and age, we have no excuse not to go to the book for ourselves. It's not hidden in a monastery somewhere. It's not the dark ages. You got it on your phone, your iPad, your computer. You got a few copies around the house. We got to be people of the book. Be people of the word. And not be led astray. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. See, because after this, Paul talks about his testimony and what God taught him and what he's preached over the last several years, even up to about two decades around this point. So you get to chapter 3. He gets back to what he was just saying, verse 1. 
Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you, receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit that you're now made perfect by the flesh? And so he begins to get into what they were deceived and taken away from. And so that does apply to some people today, the specific error they're being drawn away from. But in today, you have to make sure that you're standing on the word. Because people say, well, the people on the right, the people on the left, there's the ones who are actually following the word. One of the things is your enemy, he's stupid because he thinks he's going to win, but he's also smart. It reminds me of the first Wonder Woman movie that came out a number of years ago. That the real enemy she was after, she thought it was going to be on one side. But the real enemy was playing both sides. That he was working on both. He was going back and forth, making them fight each other and hiding himself as an angel of light in the mist. And so, don't you think your enemy is playing both sides? On the left and the right, there is evil abominations on both sides. But the thing is, you, we become ditch dwellers. Instead of walking the word and walking the truth, we're going from one ditch to the other. And we're too busy listening to what everyone else has to say. They're getting in the word for ourselves. See, the word of God will tick off conservatives and liberals. The word of God will get on your nerves too. But if it does, your nerves need to be got on. Oh, stepped on my feet, we'll pull your feet back in. The word of God should correct us. It should check us. Because if your version of Jesus is only a higher version of yourself, something's wrong. If Jesus only acts like you, talks like you, you either, one, have a way too high opinion of yourself, or two, don't know the Jesus of the Bible. You need to let the word correct you so you can grow. God only corrects those he loves. And how does he correct you? Not through disaster, but through the word through his spirit so we need to refocus too many of us got unfocused we need to focus on the word focus on the love of God be rooted and grounded in the truth go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 Because a lot of people say, oh, no, I'm good. I'm not in a ditch. I'm standing strong. Well, Paul has something to say to you. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Well, my stance is good. Well, just check for a second. Is your shoe tied? Because you could be focused on everything else and left your shoe untied and trip. Oh, how did I trip? Your shoe. Well, I've been standing in the way for 50 years. Maybe that's a problem. You're in the way. Just say, pay attention to these things in Hebrews, lest these things slip. It's possible for you to receive something and lose it. Just because you had faith 50 years ago doesn't mean you have faith today. 
You could have helped Charles Capps write his book, but it doesn't mean you got faith. It goes back to Psalm, what have you done lately? Are you in the word? What are you focused on? What are you filling your heart with? What has the highest opinion in your life? What is your standard of judging things? Everything you hear, everything you encounter, you have to hold it to the word of God. And you have to train your kids to do the same thing. Because there's a lot of contradictions in this world. And one of the things is what the enemy specializes in. For most believers, he won't just come at them with outright wickedness. Just outright. You know it's the devil. He's got a horns, a tail, hooves, and a pitchfork. That's the devil. I see him. I got discernment. No, you don't. You just opened your eyes. Here's what the enemy does. He takes a little bit of truth, and he twists it. Plays both sides against each other and make you pick which one. When the option probably see neither. What do you do? Follow the wisdom of God. Because only the wisdom of God can unravel the wickedness of this world. See, Satan seeks to put people in a position that is so twisted that they feel like there's no way I can live if I leave this life behind. That's what he's trapping people. Remember, he's a slave master. He applies chains on people's lives. So what he endorses and pushes is forms of wickedness that get people so twisted up that they feel there's no way I can live if I leave this behind. There's no way I can unravel this. So I know the truth, but I'm too scared to leave it. So I'm going to stay where I am even though I know what I'm doing is wrong. And they're tormented. And you walking up and telling them you going to hell doesn't help because they know it. What helps? You speaking the truth in love. And say, you know what? I'm not turning on you. I'm going to help you walk this out. It's going to take some time for your life to get unraveled, but that's why I'm here. Yeah, you tripped. Yes, you made a mistake. I got you. Come on, get back up again. Don't stay down. Don't, uh, come on. Let's walk this thing out. It takes time. And aren't you glad God took time with you? It still takes time with you? Shouldn't we still take time with others? And help them walk out the truth of the gospel? Because we all need each other. So pay attention, lest you fall. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. This word stand means, yes, to stand, but also means to make firm, fixed, and established. You should check every once in a while to make sure that you are established. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. We'll get into this verse a little bit more on Wednesday, but something I want to show you. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 3. For though we walk or we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We looked at that more in detail last week. But here's something I want you to notice. This word stronghold is defined as a castle or fortress or anything on which one relies. A fortress, a castle, or anything on which one relies. And so we talked about last week how philosophies can be strongholds. Because there are belief systems which people rely on or cling to. But by that definition, I want you to notice two things we'll talk more about on Wednesday. Say Wednesday. That means you probably should watch on. What day? There are godly strongholds and there are ungodly strongholds. There are godly strongholds, godly philosophies, godly fortresses and castles, and there are ungodly strongholds, which you should not rely on. But if we want to take and hold the high ground, we need to build godly strongholds. If you want to take and hold the high ground, you have to build strong, godly strongholds. So that when the storm comes or the attack of the enemy comes, life happens, you don't give up the high ground. And some of you have been in faith too long to give up the high ground now. To maintain, to take and hold the high ground, you must build godly strongholds. We'll get that on a Wednesday as we continue the Faith Builder series. So we've talked about our stance. We've talked about strength. Now go to Acts 20, verse 32, as we begin to bring this to a close. Acts 20, verse 32. As we turn there, those of you watching online, this is a good time to share so other people can join in and watch later. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Notice what Paul is saying to this group here, to the one of our first recorded ministers' conferences in the Bible. Acts 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. So something else I want you to notice. Strength. Remember, we're supposed to increase in strength. Technique, part of our technique is supposed to make sure that we're established. But although you're established, you're supposed to grow. You're supposed to edify or be built up. So that means we should always be focused on getting stronger, going from strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory. God has increase on his mind. You have to get stronger. You know, just because a fighter in their prime is strong doesn't mean they stop working out. Just because an athlete's in the prime doesn't mean they stop going to the gym. Because the thing is, you can think about great athletes. Some of them will be playing a game later today. How many know they still practice this week? Come on, you may like to cheer against him or you root for him, but LeBron James is a great athlete. He's fun to cheer against because of how good he is. But how many know he still practices? Just because you're strong doesn't mean you stop. You're supposed to keep going. Keep getting a better technique. Keep getting stronger. And the word builds you up. So if you want to grow stronger, you got to be a person of the word. Go to 1 Corinthians 3.12. 
1 Corinthians 3.12. And also the Holy Ghost says through Paul here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Actually back up to verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For no other foundation can man lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now one of the things, just by context, Paul, in the office of an apostle, was saying to Corinth, I started this church. I laid the foundation. But now the gift is there, is building on it. So specifically, he's talking about the pastor being a builder. So yes, we build on our lives with the word of God, but your pastor helps build your life. Which means there are some places you can't go if you don't have a pastor. There are some things you will miss if you do not have a pastor. And you can pray in the Holy Ghost and read the word all day long, but there's some things you won't get because one of the ways God designed this Christian life is for every believer to have a pastor. And so one of the ways the pastors build your life is through the word that is shared on Sunday and Wednesday in faith in the morning. And so one of the whole reasons we have this app in the on-demand section so you can grow. And so that means you have to take advantage of it. That means in this building, in our other campuses, online, you have to make sure you're faithful to do that. If you want to grow, if you want to go higher, if you want to be built up. And so some of you, not looking at anybody specific online, but if it's you, just don't type in below that it's you. No one knows. They'll wonder who is pastor talking about. That you haven't come to the building, not because of COVID, but you just haven't come to the building in years. Not because of your job, just, just, not because you have to work. You just don't come. But you still don't watch. And you wonder why you're not as strong as you should be. We live in a day and age where we have no excuse. But then also with what confronts you every day, it is an unwise decision not to get as strong as you can get. And so one of the things that I do, and I've met with people, even stuff, more stuff we're going to do next year and plan this year and next year and plan for the future, is understanding how human behavior has changed. Now, there's a lot of people watching us live right now on Facebook and YouTube and the app and on our website. There's a number of people in this room, and there are people who will watch the replay later. But one of the reasons we have an on-demand section is so, let's say your schedule does not allow you to be there. We have people who work and are nurses and other things they have to do on Sunday morning but it's still there for you to get later. As a culture, we've been trained to go on demand, right? The only things people usually watch lives are church and sports. And that's if they're available, right? So the thing is, if for whatever reason your schedule means you only can do it on demand, then you're faithful to that. That you set your own time, that I'm not gonna let anything get in the way of this time of me getting in the word that I don't have to announce, well, this is the time for the people who miss 10 a.m. to get the word. No. You open your app. 
You go to Facebook, you go to YouTube, and you be faithful to get in the Word. You say amen. Well, no one else is watching with me. You can still say amen. You take your own notes. That there's still responsibility. There's still something for you to do. Jesus can't do everything for you. Not just can't, won't. I can't do everything for you, and I won't. Come on, how many know that when you have children, you expect them to be able to stuff for yourself? Now, when they're little, you'll do everything for them. But when they hit a certain age, okay, I'll do this, but you need to do this. We have to get a place in our faith where God does what he's supposed to do, but we do what we're supposed to do. And part of what we're supposed to do is making sure we're in the word consistently. And so if something happens, you can't watch live. You can't make it live. Something happens, life does happen. I get it. Make sure you don't miss it. Because it's going to be on the app. And even before you look on the app, it's already on Facebook and on YouTube. Make a decision to stay in the word. To read the word every day. Don't miss these messages. Because you have a responsibility of building your life through your time in prayer in the word. But you also have a responsibility of being built up by coming to church, whether it's in person or online. It's your responsibility. Say, it's my responsibility. Come online, type it in, say, it's my responsibility. Come on, some of you are watching at home with your family, look at them and say, it's your responsibility. Now, some of you just said that in the presence of your kids and, you know, they'll be watching. It's your responsibility. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Strength and technique. Ephesians chapter 4. Continue with the same thought. And Jesus gave, verse 11, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints. Why? So they can do the work of the ministry for the building up or the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in a way to deceive. Sound like what Paul was worrying about in Galatians. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the building of itself or the edifying of itself in love. So we see here the responsibility of the ministry gifts to build up the body. But we also see how every one of us are responsible for building up the body. That your relationship with other believers are important. Because in the body of Christ, you are a part, you are a joint, and you have a supply. Which means if you don't give your supply, it's not just you who won't be able to have the benefit of giving the supply. Somebody else won't grow as they should. And so once again, as I've hit on for the last month or longer, that you need to check on people. You need to call people. You need to say, hey, I didn't see you at church. I didn't see you online. How are you doing? Well, what, which way are you watching? Hey, is there anything I can pray about for you? How are you doing? How's the family? Check on people. Because you have a responsibility to help other people grow. And if you're a person say, well, I'm an introvert. I'm, you know, I don't want to talk on the phone. Well, text. I know some of you don't like phone calls. Text. Reach out. Let people check on you. 
And even if you don't want to go in details because it's what you're working out right now, it says, just put, I'm fine, parentheses, that means you should pray for me even more. End. Start where you are. We need each other. We should be a part of faith groups. We should call each other. We should check on each other. We should reach out to people. And I said last week, if you're online, just say hi. Somebody can say hi back to you. We have to start somewhere. And in these times, we need each other. You know, it tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 to build each other up. He's talking to the church at Thessalonica, you already do this, keep on doing it. Some of you are really good at this, keep it going. We need each other. We have to check on each other. And some of you may not have a lot to say, but you know you can cook. Send them a meal. It'll bless them. Now, if you can't cook, don't do that. We want to encourage people's faith, not discourage it. But you have a specific, unique way that God used you to build people up. Specialize in that. You say, well, I can't encourage everybody. I didn't say everybody. Encourage the people you're supposed to encourage. Reach out to them. Even if it's a simple text. Hey, I was thinking about today. I'm spending some time in prayer for you. Have a great day. You say, well, that's not perfect. Something's better than nothing. And if you don't take one step, you'll never say, well, when I get my life in order, everything's organized, all the kids are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> then I'm going to encourage people. That won't happen. Because if you always say, if and then, you're in a great position to never do it. So well, I don't have a lot of time to encourage people. Well, your Netflix history says otherwise. But you do have time to send a few texts to pray. Well, I like watching movies. Well, there's devices where you guys can, people can watch movies at the same time. And I'd have to be in your house. However you connect and encourage people to do that. It's like, well, I have this favorite TV show. Well, someone else in the church's favorite TV show? Yeah. Well, watch it and encourage each other and pray for each other after the TV show. Well, the TV show has nothing to do with the Bible. I didn't say it had to do something with the Bible. I say look for ways to build each other up and encourage each other. Connect. This is what we have to do. And in times like this, we have to be even more creative and innovative. Well, I can't go over the house. I didn't say go over the house. I just said reach out. Encourage everyone. This is what we need to do if we want to be strong. Let's go to Jude 120. Beginning close here. Jude, verse 20. Another way to build yourself up. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, too. You want to build yourself up? Spend some time praying in tongues. Yes, there's some dedicated time. You should have that every day in your personal prayer time. But you can pray in tongues when you're doing other stuff. And now if you're out and about, you got to wear a mask so people can't even tell if your mouth's moving. You'd be in deep intercession and nobody knows. But anytime you pray in the Spirit, it builds you up. And you need to do it on a regular basis. 
I said, well, what I'm doing is not necessarily spiritual. And? You're a spirit. So you're spiritual even when you don't feel spiritual. You exercise and you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You walk and you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You're cooking, you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You're shopping, you can pray in the Holy Ghost. I remember as a teenager that one of my times of praying the Holy Ghost is why I pray video games. So for you kids who just won't get off Fortnite, that it seems like Fortnite is, you know, the fourth member of the Trinity to them or something, or Among Us or whatever they be in, tell them, okay, if you're going to play, just pray in the Holy Ghost while you play. What? That, that, yeah. Watch Fortnite and pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, okay. Take opportunities to build yourself up. Everything is not so deep. Oh, I got to be deep in my prayer closet to pray in the Holy Ghost. No, you don't. Play Fortnite. Kids come to you like, man, I got better in Fortnite. Well, praise God, I think, but take opportunities to build yourself up. Find ways to build yourself up. I still remember, what was it, about six years ago, I took like a week off and I'm just resting. There's this new app that came on the phone and I spent most of my time a week off playing that app and praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I did. And so I remember I came in the office to get something. I was sitting in someone's office and Minister Kurt walked by and he said, I had to sense the presence of God. And, oh, pastor, what are you doing here? I said, well, all week I've just been praying in tongues and playing the app. That's all I've been doing. And the presence of God increased. You can yield whenever, whatever you're doing. Yes, there should be dedicated time where you only focus on God. I'm not saying replace that. But find different opportunities to do these things and pray in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14.2 For he that speaks in unknown tongues speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies or builds himself up, but he that prophesies builds up the church. So it operates in the gifts of the Spirit, specifically the gift of prophecy, as well as tongues, interpretation of tongues, will build up the church together. But in the same way you want to build yourself up, pray in the Holy Ghost every single day. So, oh, I don't feel spiritual. doesn't mean that you don't just pray in the Holy Ghost the only time you feel spiritual. Because if that's the case, it'd be very rare and far in between. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. I remember the story as I closed that someone came up to Or Roberts who was preaching on these things. And he said, you know, you mean that I can turn the Holy Ghost on and off? I was like, no, the Holy Ghost is always on. It's us who's on and off. He's always working, always moving. It's just us tapping in. Us yielding. So yield and build yourself up so we can have strength and technique and have the right stance that's needed to fight the good fight of faith and win and experience unprecedented victory. Amen. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe 
believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.